Can you hear me this time, Mr. Jacob? Yes, can you hear me? Yes, I can. All right. Just wanted to make sure. So hello, everybody, and welcome to the Dane Dynasty podcast. We're having some technical difficulties, but it seems like we got it all figured out. So wanted to welcome Jake in. What's going on, Jake? Not not much, you know. It's the um, beautiful, what is it, Tuesday night? Tuesday so, night. Yeah, this officially marks the halfway point for the regular season for fantasy football. It's kind of crazy how fast it's going by. Oh, I don't like the sound of that, especially where uh, my team's looking out and where some of these other teams are. You did just take me away from the Bachelorette. A little bit upset about that, but that's for a different podcast on a different day. <laughs> I, think, I think I might start one up. It's kind of, it's, hey, it's fun. It's fun drama. I didn't I didn't know you were into that stuff, Randy. Hey, is you, it... you, you kind of you keep some of the certain things behind the scenes. Yeah, is that just uh is that just one of your hobbies or is that like a, a Bailey Remy hobby? Um if I say it's a Bailey Remy hobby, it sounds a lot better. So yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll go we'll go we'll with keep that. It there. We'll go with that one. All right. So today we're looking like we're gonna open up, talk about some injuries and talk about some weird um stats that happened this week. We're gonna unveil some new stats that I pulled out about some average finishes per week. Then we'll go into the recap. We had some interesting fab. We'll try to keep that one short. No trades this week, so we don't have to talk an hour about um, quarterback trades that really didn't do anything. Um, we'll talk about next week's matchups. And then we're going to, with us retiring, pretender contender, we're going to look back at some old drafts, talk about them really quickly, and then kind of do a redraft of of that year to kind of show what it's looking like and then end it with some power rankings. Let's do it. This, this, this is going to be a fun episode. <laughs> All right. So w- what did you want to start with, with just like a little opening about this past week in the fantasy football world? Well, I mean, for me, the big takeaways were, again, with the, the injuries, right? Like this week we lost Odell Beckham to the ACL, um, Chris Carson with a midfoot sprain, Joe Mixon didn't play, Aaron Jones didn't play, uh, Kenyon Drake got injured. So this is just like only kind of solidifying what I was bringing up earlier on in, on the podcast, like this COVID offseason, I think it's really taken a toll on how these guys uh, approach the season and ultimately how they physically prepared for it because we're seeing a lot of injuries. A lot of guys go down, you know, and a lot of people say like, oh, a lot of these injuries were contact injuries. So these guys are getting wrapped up. Um, people are falling on ankles or twisting knees. But if you're physically fit and you're conditioned and you're training in the off season, you're training to get your knees up, to step over blockers, to avoid contact. So when you're injured, you're at more risk of injury. So it, it's, it's stuff like that, little things that kind of pile up. It's just, it's just crazy to see where it's week seven and we've already had so many guys go down. It's kind of sad to see somebody like Odell who had the career trajectory after what his first three years that he was going to be, the best player of all time. Then he got injured. And then he really, after that injury, I think it was in like 2017 or 18, the last year or second to last year with the Giants, where he really, ever since, I never put it back together. There's been some glimpses, usually when Jarvis Landry's throwing him the ball. But um, <laughs> every once in a while, you get a glimpse of him. And now 27, um, he's going to be 28 next year. He, They do have, if they cut him next year, they have no um, dead dead money against it so it could be a smart one but it all depends on the injury designation and when he does come back but he could be somebody that could get traded in this offseason i wouldn't be surprised because of how high his money is going to be or he could be cut if all the timing works out perfect yeah it's crazy because 
three years ago, we were saying Odell's a top five dynasty wide receiver. And now it's like, is he even a top 20? Like, I'm not sure. Like, I don't, I think I can name 20 to 25 wide receivers that I'd rather have than Odell. And just looking in looking at his injury history, 2016, pulled his hamstring, 2017, high ankle sprain, missed one game, 2017, fibula fracture, missed 11 games, 2018, quadriceps contusion, missed four games, 2019, sports hernia, so that's a a tear in like the fascia or like the tissue that surrounds the muscle, and he had surgery, he was out for two or three months, he didn't miss any games because it was off season, but like these are all lower body injuries, and those add up on a guy. Um, and like I said, having a hit injury history like this only puts you at more risk of injuries in the future. So it's kind of sad to see, like you said, but it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the offseason. His name always gets floats or always gets floated around. Like the Patriots are like always rumored to be looking to add Odell, right? Like every year there's like, oh, a team's talking to the Browns or the Giants about trading for Odell. And then we never really see anything happen. So Maybe we'll see something happen this offseason. Yeah, I don't think anybody's going to really want to take on that contract. It's the biggest deal with exactly what you were just saying. With that injury history, with the contract situation, it's just kind of a murky place to be. And he really hasn't performed. Those first three years, he was on top of the world. Like you said, top three, top five, like dynasty pick, not just wide receiver. He was up there because he was doing it all. But yeah, that was sad to see. On the other end of it, we might get Christian McCaffrey back this week. Did he read that? <laughs> yeah. He, um, so I was reading the report from one of the beat writers. He showed up out of nowhere in a, a red non-contact jersey. And then the next day, he's in the red contact jersey, takes it off. He's doing drills on the side. So he looks ready to go. If you follow uh, his, his new girlfriend, not new, but his girlfriend, <laughs> Olivia, what is it? Mun- I forget her last name. Larimore but, will be ready hey. to tell you. Don't worry. Yeah. She posted a picture with him, and his ankle looked good. You know, he's wearing jeans. He's got the sneaks on. He looks happy. So I think uh, it's a sign of things to come. Yeah, it, I was kind of surprised them saying it back this early, especially with a shortened week because they do play Thursday night. So I was surprised to read all this. Everybody assumed that it would have just been next week against Kansas City, but this would kind of be, I think, surprising to me. Kind of shocking, actually, if he came back this quickly. Yeah, absolutely, especially because Mike Davis has been filling in absolutely in a stellar role like he's top 10 um running backs right now um in McCaffrey's absence so it's pretty good um very good um and supposedly I the Panthers came out and said when McCaffrey comes back they're going to use both running backs so imagine that backfield right now you have McCaffrey and Mike Davis who out of nowhere he was what what cut last year by the Bears and now he's uh top 10 running back in Christian McCaffrey's absence. Um, I did look it up. His girlfriend was Olivia Culpo. Okay. For, forgot her last name. It's important. He had to, had to throw a name in there. Uh-huh. Yeah, Mike Davis, he, he had his first struggle this week against New Orleans. But other than that, he's yeah. had a really good year. I did find that weird that Matt Rule, who I always said McCaffrey was getting like all the touches, is now going to try to hold it back a little bit. We'll see how long that happens. Once McCaffrey's back to full force, you can't just – put in the meatball Mike Davis with a beat up by Montgomery last year. Like, I don't, I don't see that actually happening. Yeah. I do think though, again, like we've talked about, uh, he did sign a $64 million contract coming into this season, right through the 2025 season. So, and you look at what he's done this year, he played what one or two games and then went down with injury and he hasn't stepped foot in the field again. And now the Panthers are looking at $64 million invested in one player 
who hasn't played. Um, so I think they're going to start treating him a little bit differently. Like he's such a asset and a weapon on the field. So will he touch the ball 30 times a game? Like we've seen, maybe not. He can be very efficient with 15 to 20 touches, right? He can still put up running back one numbers with that. I think another funny backfield that we saw this week was the 49ers. Coming into this week, everybody was like, oh, McKinnon. All of these analysts, McKinnon's going to be the start of the week. McKinnon's going to be up. He's the best guy to pick up, best guy to play. And then he barely even touched the field. (laughs) After the game, Canahan comes out and says, oh, we were never planning on um, using him. He was was getting a lot of touches early this year, and we wanted to give him a break. So we were giving him the break against the Patriots. Not like it really mattered. Uh, Pats looked terrible. But just in general, that was so weird to see that backfield and watch Jeff Wilson run all over the place and then get injured. That was just a weird, weird, weird situation. Yeah, that was funny. Um, <laughs> and Jeff Wilson had his, like, 20 minutes of fame. You know, he obliterates the Patriots' run defense, puts up three touchdowns, and then goes down with the high ankle sprain. <laughs> so we may have seen the end, the beginning and the end of Jeff Wilson's um, fantasy relevance this season. But I think something to note, Tevin Coleman is reportedly coming back either this week or next week. Um, and Jamichael Hasty, the we talked about him last week, the undrafted rookie out of Baylor, 24 years old. He stepped in and he put up 73 total yards from scrimmage. So we've talked about this. The 49ers, they know how to run the ball. They know how to block. Um, I actually watched like a 10-minute video on Twitter. Some like analyst put up of like breaking down their run blocking and how like amazing it is. And it's just, it really is when you actually watch like what the guards are doing, what the tight ends are doing, what guys like Debo Samuel and he got injured as well. Oh, that was um, bad. Yeah, what, what guys like Debo can do on the end arounds and Ayuk on the end arounds. Like, they have so many options. You have, you have so many options as a team when, when you can block well. Um, it's just – it's fun football to watch. So, Hasty might be a guy that he can step in and start doing well. And the um, – Jarek McKinnon, let's see. He needed a break, right? And let's see how many touches he's had. <laughs> he had three carries against the Patriots, six carries against the Rams – one carry against the Dolphins. So in the last two weeks, he's he's touched the ball six times rushing and seven times receiving. Oh, no, four times receiving, excuse me. So he really needed a break. You know, he just really needed that break this week. Um, and he really wanted Jeff to score some touchdowns. Oh, that, that honestly hurt. And, yeah, their team, they really don't care who's starting running back. They don't care if we sign you to a contract. We don't care if you're off the street. Like Mostert versus Coleman versus this guy versus that guy. They don't care who you are. As long as you're running the ball and you can run some outside zones because they don't really want you to run up the middle, that's all that really matters to them. It's true. And the um, last thing I wanted at least – actually, no, two things. Um, So just don't ever start your running backs against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah. Have you you seen these statistics? It's crazy. Let's hear them. So Josh Jacobs, 10 rushes for 17 yards. Last week, Aaron Jones, 10 rushes for 15 yards. The week before, David Montgomery, 10 rushes, 29 yards. The week before that, Justin Jackson, 6 carries, 9 yards. Joshua Kelly, 9 carries, 7 yards. Melvin Gordon, 8 carries, 26 yards. It is tough sledding against that front seven. Wow, that is actually very impressive now that you say that. I have heard that they... Their defense is pretty much running that team, but I didn't realize that it was to that degree. Yeah, it's crazy. And when you look at – so to, to put this in perspective, Christian McCaffrey week two, he 
scored two touchdowns. It was a great fantasy day, but he only rushed for 59 yards on 18 carries. Alvin Kamara in week one, 12 carries, 16 rushing yards, one rushing touchdown. So even the elite guys, they're scoring, like which is great, which is what you want, but it's nowhere near the production that you're expecting from your top running back. Like you put out your studs every week, you expect them to smash. And if you see the Buccaneers run D on your schedule, that's just a red flag. You got to look elsewhere. So next three weeks for everybody's awareness, they got the Giants this week. So you weren't playing anybody anyways. Then Saints. So it's going to be a nice Kamara week. And then you got McCaffrey the week after that, the Panthers. So you're going to see some elite running backs going against them. So Strazik, good luck. What what's good though is at least for Shrezik, he gets them twice in a row, which is funny. But Kamara and McCaffrey, they're both gonna touch the ball. They're both gonna get like ten, eight to ten targets out of the backfield. So they can easily produce running back one numbers just by catching the ball. So that's kind of their like sneaky way around that front seven, but it's just their defense is good. And you look at that offense right now and they're cooking with Brady and it's really sad as a Patriots fan watching Tom Brady thrown to Gronk with a stellar defense. It just reminds you of the um, the good old days. Yeah, it is sad. But talking about that team, the Buccaneers offense, and then you just talk a little bit about the defense. That offense is so hard to gauge right now. It is ridiculous. Between the Arians talking about Fournette like he was James White today, yeah. Mike Evans pretending like he doesn't even exist anymore, and now eh, the whole team's pretty much messed up. Everybody agrees with that. Let's add Antonio Brown into the mix. Yep, Ad Antonio Brown and Chris Godwin broke his thumb last week. So was his thumb I, or was it his pinky? It was something weird. It was, I know. it was something weird. I read his thumb, but it could be could be wrong. Let me yeah. do a quick little Google search. But it, it is crazy because, like, one week Scotty Miller has a great game. The next week it's Tyler, Tyler Johnson, Johnson. I think his name in. Yep. And then Scotty Miller's a nobody, right? And then Mike Evans gets his one target for one reception and a touchdown and Fournette gets seven catches out of the backfield and Rojo runs for a hundred yards and they somehow were five and two. It's not making it. Yeah. It was his index finger. So I don't, really, right. I don't really know what's going on with him. Um, it's kind of crazy, but just looking at their team, looking at the different splits when Fournette is with Ronald Jones, he's actually has more points of them when they're both playing on the same time. But then when, Fournette's not playing. Ronald Jones is averaging like 80 to 90 rushing yards. Like that team is just not making any sense. In the Mike Evans splits, you'd think there would be some continuity with it, but I can't find any like similarities between when he's doing well, when he's not doing well, when he's doing this versus that. It's just, I don't, I don't get that team. Yeah. And I, I honestly think that Antonio Brown, like as much as Antonio Brown wanted to come play with Tom and vice versa, Tom wanted to throw to AB. I like, from a coaching standpoint, like Bruce Arians came out early and basically said, like, no, we're not interested in Antonio Brown. And now looking at their wide receiver health, like, we don't know. Mike Evans might be injured. He very well could be. I honestly think he is. Um, Chris Godwin has been banged up with a concussion, broke his finger now. Like, they need health, and they're still winning. So adding Antonio Brown, who I checked today, he is still suspended, but the NFL can reinstate him after week eight. So – Maybe he'll play. I don't know. I, I was reading I think... that they're expecting him to play this week. They think that he will come back. But, yeah. yeah, you might be right on something on Mike Evans because the last two weeks he has a total of three catches on four targets. It's just Brady's not looking his way. Brady's not yeah. finding him. And, like, LaShawn McCoy did not play a single snap, it looked like. Yeah. Um, and Fournette had 38 snaps. 
Ronald Jones had 31 snaps. Uh, Fournette ran 21 routes. Ronald Jones ran 13. Um, and of those 21 routes, Fournette had seven targets. So, and he, and he out-touched Fournette. And he had more yards per touch. So, like, it looks like they're kind of finding, they're figuring out their their role on offense, um, at least from the running back position. But uh, the wide receiver position, it's all up in the air right now. So, <laughs> Yeah, it's a fun team. And then the other fun little uh, stat from this weekend was, did you see Todd Gurley fall into the end zone? <laughs> this, the, the Atlanta Falcons are the <laughs> worst real football team, but the best fantasy football team. Oh, like, they're so funny. Like Matt Ryan can easily put up, put up 35 points a week. They have Calvin Ridley, who's top five wide receiver, Julio Jones, uh, Collins, new best friend who, who bumbles his way to into the end zone, <laughs> thus clinching six points for Colin and officially losing the game for the Falcons. That defense is so bad. I was looking up something on Todd Gurley, though. So with his contract with the Falcons, he has an incentive. If he gets yes. 13 total touchdowns, he gets a $500,000 bonus. Him falling into the end zone now puts him at seven touchdowns. So, uh, hey, I, who's wrong here? He's getting his money. He blames the defense. It's not his fault. <laughs> when you watch the play, though, he, he knows. At, at about the three-yard line, he's like, oh, crap. And he's like, starts to go down, and he like tries to keep the ball out of the end zone, but he's like, oh, oops, and he just falls in. It's kind of embarrassing to watch. It's very funny. Um, and you can see him on the sideline. Like, they showed his face just sitting on the bench, and he was just like, oh, crap. Like, he kind of realized, like, w- we're going to lose. Like, <laughs> we're going to lose right now. This isn't your old Rams defense. You don't actually have players over there. Everybody's injured on the Falcons defense like they have been for the last five years. It's just not going to work for you. It was kind of funny because the guy kind of wrapped him up and then let him go and kind of gave him a little tiny push. Yeah. Helped the momentum go towards the end zone. Oh, it was Honestly, so funny to watch and good for Colin. Get the extra six points, um, but oh, it was it was it was great to watch. Okay, last thing I want to say: <laughs> Daniel Jones's run. <laughs> Remy, how fast do you think he went? He was fine. He was almost Metcalf speed. Okay, okay. Listen here, I got the numbers for you. <laughs> Daniel Jones hit twenty one point two three miles per hour. That is faster than any run that Tyreek Hill has recorded this season. That's crazy. So so Tyreek Hill hasn't really, like, had that long, like, 85-yard receiving touchdown, right? Like, we all, he always gets one like that. Like, he'll take a slant 90 yards, and he'll hit, like, 22, 23 miles an hour, which is, like, he's cooking. Like, he, that's just, like, his baseline. Daniel Jones hit 21.23 miles per hour. DK Metcalf... On the Buda Baker interception, which might be the greatest, like, offensive switch to defense play in the NFL history, besides Julio Jones laying out every single receiver. Hey, look up Ben Watson. Ben yes. Watson has a great one, too. I know what you're talking about. But Julio Jones, if you've never seen it, um, any look up any highlight film. He could play safety in the NFL, and he really hurt some people. Um, but DK Metcalf hit 22.64 miles per hour. So just put that in perspective. On a straightaway run, Daniel Jones, 21 miles per hour. DK, 22. <laughs> Crazy. He was he was hauling. If that turf monster didn't get him, he would have been he would have been gone. <laughs> it looked like the uh, like a sniper just absolutely picked <laughs> off his right calf, and he went down so hard. What was cool about the whole Metcalf thing is what was it? Two weeks ago, he celebrated a little bit too early. Yeah, and then just like 
he heard it from everybody. He was just getting ripped apart online, ripped apart everywhere. Coaches probably beat him up pretty good. Um, and then he just went and he turned on the heaters this time and said, I'm going to just show everybody that I actually care and I actually put it together. Yeah. And it was good to see because, um, like, Tyler Lockett, I just want to mention Tyler Lockett. Oh, we'll get there. Don't you worry. Oh, I, I, I need to say this stat. It's just crazy. Let's hear it. But we'll, all right. Week five, Seahawks target shares. Week five, DK Metcalf, 42%. So 42% of Russell Wilson's throws went to DK. Tyler Lockett in week five, 16%. Fast forward to week seven, DK Metcalf target share, 9%. Tyler Lockett, 43%. Okay? Craziness. In the last 24 games, Tyler Lockett and DK have played together. Tyler Lockett has 140 receptions, 1,800 yards, 16 touchdowns. Metcalf, 93 receptions, 1,600 yards, 13 touchdowns. So, like, everyone coming into the season was talking about who's the wide receiver one, who, who's the better wide receiver to own in Seattle. Is it Tyler Lockett? Is it DK? These guys are both wide receiver ones. Moving forward with Russell Wilson in that offense, like, I will say it, and I'll say it again next week. Like, any week, these guys can blow up. And that is what the Seahawks offense is running right now because they don't have a running back. <laughs> Yeah, Carson's in the lineup, out of the lineup, in the lineup, out of the lineup, and they're letting Russ be Russ. This is yep. this is the Russ that all the analysts have been saying, just let him go, just let him go, just let him go, and they are letting him go, and he is just putting on an absolute clinic. Yeah, so put put this in perspective, um, 81 points combined for Tyler Lockett and Russell Wilson. In week three of this season, they combined for 79 points. Um, last season, week nine, they combined for 83 points. And week three last season, they combined for 70 points. So just Tyler Lockett and Russell Wilson would have beat Pap last week and this week alone by themselves. Yeah, you actually would have beat both Pap and Abers this week with just Lockett and Russ. It's one of the little, yeah. little stats I had. Crazy. All right, let's 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 get into the week that was. Let's move, move on. Um, so this week, it looked like we had three teams over 125 points and all three of them got wins this week. It hasn't happened the last couple of weeks. It's been those one, two facing each other. Um, there was four under a hundred again, which is kind of sad. We need to get those numbers up. And for the third straight week, Pap was the 10th man. So right now, if you're playing Pap, it's a free win. That's what it's looking like. Last, yeah, Jabers, last three weeks has been struggling. I was going to say Jabers is a tougher opponent right now. Yep. Completely. Over the last three weeks, Abers has finished nine, sixth and ninth. And Pap is 10-10-10. So, not not looking great for Pap. Not looking good for the trajectory. If you actually look at the points for, they're within three yeah. points of each other now. What'd you say? If you look at the points for between Jabers and Pap, they're three points within each other. I know. So. <laughs> and two wins, two win difference. Yeah, exactly. Two win difference. But Jabers has the most points against. So, he's just getting absolutely beat up this year. And he's, he's okay with it. He's taking the punches. Oh, yeah. And he's moving with them. All right, so the first matchup I had on my board was myself and Jabers. Um, it'd be a quick one. Easy win. Put up the second most points. Only lost to you, I think, by a point or two. Yeah, yeah. I think a point, point and a half. So my biggest player was Kyler Murray. He's showing up to that where I wanted him to be. If you look in the past, Kyler Murray was actually the highest drafted quarterback in DDL history at pick 202. And he has helped me every step of the way. And then another top pick of mine, DJ Moore, showed out this week. 
Um, those are two big pieces on mine. On Jabers, it's better to just talk about trades than his actual team. So his tradable pieces, Matt Ryan looked pretty good, put up tw- almost 20 points and probably could have put up more if there was a little high scoring in that one. And then Christian Kirk looked good for him. Even though he only had 37 yards, he put up the two touchdowns. So a couple trade pieces that he has available. Yeah, and Christian Kirk is only 23, I think, 24. I think 24. So I like he's a guy I wanted to really hold on to. Um like he has that college repertoire with Kyler. They both played at Texas A&M and you can just see it. They just have chemistry. Um, there's like a blown coverage and Christian Kirk kind of just like did his own little route and Kyler just hit him in stride and it just looked pretty. It was just simple. Um, it looks like they just played together in the backyard and that's what they did in college. And it's just showing over to the NFL. Yeah, you actually are right. He's actually 23. So, yeah, he's so. young. He's really young. Yeah, it was good to see. Um, you want to talk about your matchup? Yeah, this was – Coming into this game, it was close. Um, Strazik's team always puts up points. Like he put up 118, which would would have gotten the win against a lot of other people. But he faced me, and I had my best week of the year, um, or second best week. But it was just a good matchup for my team overall. Like like I said, 81 points from Russ and Tyler Lockett is is really nice. Um, Josh Jacobs faced the dreaded Buccaneers front line. He has not done well in the past couple weeks since he really blew up he's been rb like 14 on the year i think uh 13 but i expect him to turn around um yeah it was just a good game for me and chris um i'm sorry strazik's team he he did well mike davis only put up six points so that was kind of rough not what he was expecting um but all across the board like keenan allen 17 tyree kill 14 kamara 19 Diggs 8 Kittle 8. So those are numbers you like. So uh, if I was Strazik, I'm not worried moving forward. He's still going to be in the top three power rankings. He's still going to be there in the playoffs. So he's moving on to week eight. And yeah. Yeah. So the two like kind of duds you had that was DJ Chark one for seven targets and then Stefan Diggs six for 11. So both of those yeah. guys got plenty of targets, but just couldn't really put anything together with it, which is kind of sad. And yeah. Both putting against not the best defenses, so you'd expect a little more from them. Yeah, exactly. And like last week, Chark had 14 targets from Minshew, and he, like, it, it was just not pretty. If you watch that game, I didn't, but I watched some of the highlights after. Minshew and Chark just have not had that same connection as they did last year. Um, Chark is still 23. He's still one of my favorite players right now. He's just fun to watch, but there are some rumblings that. Jacksonville wants to move on from Minshew. I don't know why he's putting up good numbers. He's wide receiver 13 or, I mean, Minshew's quarterback like 12 right now in the year. He's putting up good numbers. He runs the ball well. I I don't really understand the Jacksonville Jaguars team as a whole. We could talk about that for an hour. Um, They just make decisions that doesn't make sense to me. Um, But, yeah, and and what we saw out of the Buffalo Bills, it was an ugly game against the Jets. Like, ugly. Not pretty. And Josh Allen kind of looked like Josh Allen of the past, like the old Josh Allen that we all knew. It was just like kind of erratic with his throws. Wasn't connecting anything with Diggs. So hopefully the um, <laughs> the Josh Allen magic that he had the first few weeks of the season keeps it up. But they have really tough schedule moving forward. Um, it's not pretty. After they faced, so they faced New England this week, which I don't know, might be an easy one now because I don't really know what the uh, New England defense, but after the bye, they face the Chargers, the 49ers, Pittsburgh, Denver, and New England, and those are the playoffs. So it's looking ugly for Josh Allen. Yeah, you're not going to want to see that Pittsburgh defense because that defense is also one that 
even though they struggled a little bit this week, they can they can shut people down pretty quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Looking into another matchup I had on my board, next one I had on my board was Colin and Pap. So just, yep. just like mine and Jabers, this was another just easy one. Even Colin only put up 100 points. Actually had some duds from a lot of his like big-name players. Mahomes 14 is a dud to me, even though 14 from a quarterback is usually kind of average. Um, Drake getting injured is going to be big. So we didn't talk about that, I don't think, enough. But Chase Edmonds season, that was one of the guys early on in one of the first podcasts. I said somebody should go and trade for him. Um, and Drake might never get this job back is my big diagnosis on this team. Odell with the zero points, Robert Woods with four points. On any other week, he probably could have taken the loss, but he pulled it out. So good for Colin, moves him to five and two and puts him right up that top. So I think that trade for Gurley is going to be huge for him right now because losing both Drake and Odell off your lineup and having to move stuff around with bye weeks coming up, it's going to be difficult for him. So that Gurley trade looks 10 times better for him now. Yeah, it's it's going to be ugly for Colin moving forward. Um, I still have him. Well, we can talk about this obviously with later on with the power rankings, but those injuries are going to hurt. Um, Kenyon Drake wasn't anything near what he was last year, where people were drafting him this year, which we talked about a little bit last week. But like you said, Chase Edmonds, when, when he's, when he plays, he does well and he deserves to touch the ball 25 times a game. Um, and he's finally going to do that. It didn't really ever make sense to me why Kenyon Drake was getting the ball so much. He is not under contract for next year. He's entering a free agent. Like, the Cardinals can go in any direction next year. I don't know why they wouldn't just give Chase Edmonds the ball from the start, but he's gonna he, he's top 15 running back moving forward um, in that offense. That's all I have to say about Chase Edmonds. I tried to acquire him, and, Bulls was smart, held on, and now Bulls is looking pretty nice with that. Yeah, that's going to definitely help out Bulls' bench. That was one of them. He had a good starting lineup, needed some bench help, and now the bench help is turning into some starting help and to move it around. And then looking at Pap's team from this matchup, Carson and Evans both had poor weeks, so those are the two guys he's been trying to move and move and move and move, and it seems like that window is getting, or the big trade window is just getting smaller and smaller as time goes on, so it's definitely hurting him right now. Yeah, just... Yeah, I don't want to talk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Pap has some has some work to do. He has some inner inner searching he needs to do in this team. Um, J.K. Dobbins needs to be unleashed in Baltimore. I don't know why they're giving Gus Edwards so many touches. That's another story. But oh, I um, disagree. I like Gus. Look at his. I do too. Oh. But you you drafted J.K. Dobbins very early. Okay. You, you you spent a lot of capital, second round pick. Like he's your running back of the future. He's young. He was very productive out of college. We can talk about his player analytics coming out of college. But he's a guy that just I hate looking at. Pap start J.K. Dobbins every week and him just get him three points, two points, three points, one point. It's just like it's tough because he has his, his potential is like the moon. It's like unlimited, especially with that type of offense. Exactly. All right, let's go into you want to talk about the pick versus the bullier matchup. Yeah, so Bulls' team, like just a good week for him. Um, you know, he, he carries a lot of quarterbacks and that's the the you know it's a risk benefit so uh cam newton doesn't look like the special cam newton anymore he loses Dak, but um stafford fills in perfectly 20 points ronald jones is just ronald jones and james robinson like who would have thought coming into the season that these guys would be top 10 running backs but they really are um it's gonna be interesting moving forward the dichotomy between um me and ronald i mean me and fournette and bulls and jones like the more 
Fournette plays, the it just caps Ronald Jones' ceiling because Fournette is more dynamic in the passing game. Um, Fournette was a wide receiver coming out of high school. He catches the ball a lot better than Ronald Jones. So it's just going to be interesting to see moving forward. But like we said, Chase Evans is going to step into that role perfectly. James Robinson is just a beast. I hope the Jacksonville Jaguars don't do something stupid and, like, cut him or draft a running back early. Like, he, he's just proven it. And Bulls traded for Ayuk, and Ayuk is going to just fill in as the wide receiver one right now because Debo's injured. So Ayuk has – he went off for 115 yards, six uh, six receptions. Just, like, the only weak spot on Bulls' team right now is that tight end position. I think the – um. Robert Tanyan honeymoon phase is over. Like, Devontae Adams is back and healthy. We all know that Devontae is the number one target. Tanyan's kind of an afterthought. But Bulls' team is pretty bulletproof besides that tight end spot. Um, Chris, he's got a good team too, but it's just like he's, he just didn't put up – just didn't do it this week. You know, his running back is kind of ugly position. Like, jo- Justin Jackson, we kind of thought that he was going to have a bigger role in Eckler's presence. It just shows that Eckler is just valuable in that offense. Um, but Terry McLaurin, he's the brightest spot on Chris's team. Um, and Hawkinson, like these are the guys that he should build around. Hopefully Saquon comes back next year healthy. And Chris has a good, he has a good core moving forward. Yeah. Chris is always kind of in that middle. Like, I don't know if he wants to rebuild, if he wants to go for it, but I kind of think he wants to rebuild, but he's, he's going to get a win this week and he's going to be five to three. So it's going to be interesting. To see. Oh, it's tough to see. And then, so, talking about the honeymoon, the Claypool honeymoon fell off the face of the earth, too. One for one, he, negative two yards. He was still number three. Um, he still was third on the team in snaps. I mean, uh, snaps and route run. Um, routes run. I, I don't know. He also had Malcolm Butler covering him, and he had safety over the top. So, I know, like, the, the stats-wise, it was ugly, but he was getting double covered. They were not letting him get open and downfield, but it's just the Steelers are just too good. Like they're the only undefeated team right now. They're just they're nasty. Yeah, they don't care about your fantasy team. They're gonna no. go whatever wide receivers gonna help them out. So Juju looks good. Deonta Johnson was the best out of the three. Week in yep. and week out, you don't know who's gonna be the best. I think Deonta ended up with two touchdowns. Um, but talking about this matchup, I want to talk about James Robinson. So that was a trade that Bulls made, he traded the first and the second away for him, and people were kind of upset, like, oh, why would Bulls trade that much for this guy? Bulls was going for it, and now people are kind of upset that they don't have somebody who's putting up 29 points and yeah. winning you a matchup. So good for him, making that big move, and he's still got his Ridley, his boy, still doing work. Yeah, like I said, with the, me and Bulls' team, it's going to be interesting moving forward because he has James Conner, I have Benny Snell, and I'm a Benny Snell believer. When Benny Snell has played, he's done well. Um, and James Conner, man, he's going to get hurt. He always gets hurt. <laughs> he's, he's number one in the NFL in injury risk. Um, that's looking at, like, past injury history, all that stuff, and just kind of projecting forward. He's number one. Like, it's going to happen. I'm not saying I want it to happen. Obviously, like, he's one of my – he's just a great story overall. Um, but it's going to be interesting with the, the Snell and Conner, if Conner gets hurt, and then Fournette and Rojo moving forward. So, me and Bulls are going to be – head-to-head for from here on out. Yeah, you, you guys should have some fun back and forth. And then if you guys want to be nice to each other, you can maybe move some tight ends around. <laughs> yeah. All right, last matchup we got here, we have the the most drama-filled matchup pretty much of the year. All the drama's been around these two guys. So we got Harris and Lyramore. Um The trade didn't end up making a difference because Devontae Adams decided he was going to be week one Devontae Adams and just show out. Guy put up. 13 catches, 196 yards, and two touchdowns, and just was the beast that everybody knew he was. Um, 
for Lattimore's team, half of his points came from Justin Herbert, which is, <laughs> crazy. Which is just crazy to say out loud. He got a zero from Tyler Higby. He got 0.8 from James White. He got three from Slayton, three from Metcalf, five from Zeke. It was just Ugly. no nobody wanted to show up on his team. Versus Harris, who ha- kind of had a beatable, if you just look at certain players, didn't put up much, but then he got some big performances from his big three wide receivers who are finally all healthy at the same time for one week because now he lost Godwin. Because he had 38 <laughs> from Adams, 19 from Godwin, 19 from Hopkins, all played great, and then he loses one right away. So. Yeah. I mean, he has Deontay Johnson, and when Deontay Johnson is healthy, it looks like he's number one receiver in Pittsburgh. It just looks like it, just from the eye test, just looking at target share from Ben. It looks like when Deontay's on the field, Ben wants to throw him the ball, so that might be a really good fill-in for him. Um, in When looking at Larry's team, like when you look at Zeke, did you see that game? Did you see how bad he looked? So – when Andy Dalton can't throw the ball, and then they put in some Italian dude from New Jersey, from like straight, yeah. straight up in the Queens, the Guido, they can just they can stack the box. Yeah, and the other pro- the other problem with Zeke is if you look at the first like let's say three years of his career, because what is he? Is he in five now? Um, one, two, three, four. I think he's in his fifth year. The first th- two years of his career, he had the best offensive line in history. His third year, he just had the best offensive line in the league. Last year, it came down a notch. This year, he just has an average to below average offensive line. So he's always had to be somebody who, no matter what, I'm going to have a hole there. I'm going to be ready to go. And this is the first year of his career where he's he's had to make a couple bigger decisions when he's doing his stuff. He's still putting up a good year, but I don't think the consistency is going to be there, especially with no quarterback. And what's crazy, he leads the NFL. He leads the NFL for all running backs and fumbles and drops, and he's he's averaging a career low one point nine yards after contact per rush. So, like when you think about Zeke, like early on in his career, like he's making guys miss, he's absorbing contact, he's running people over, he's a beast. This year, it doesn't look like that. He's not as involved. Um, I can't really say that. I, I don't know. In the passing game, like he, two games this year against the Giants and Washington, one reception, and that's usually where he gets he pads his stats a little bit. So yeah. obviously he's had some quarterback Russian roulette in there, move around. So it's it's just been ugly. He's still running back number four on the year in PPR just because his volume is so – he has the volume. His floor is so high. So that's just something to look at moving forward. He's also – under contract with the Cowboys for the next six years. <laughs> He's going to be there until he dies. Yeah. The sad part about Harris's team that I was loving watching CeeDee Lamb do CeeDee Lamb things oh. week in and week out and just dominating the league and showing that he belongs where he does. And then this week, five targets, no catches. I think he had one rush or something like that. It was it hurt to see because for somebody like Harris who's going to have an injury to Godwin, you would think it's an automatic land put in there. But with these quarterbacks, I don't think you can do that. No, you really can't. It's scary. Um, it yeah, <laughs> he's he's just fun to watch. Um, for such a young receiver, he's one of those guys that they throw around the G word, right? Generational talent. Like he he really is. Um, he's well deserving of the what pick one hundred and seven that he was taking in the rookie draft. Um, oh. Just, way too late, way too late. Yeah, especially when you look at guys like who are drafted above him, like Akers, Jerry Judy, like ugh, Lamb is – he's just been so good. But I really think people are going to be um, – you know what I mean? The, like the honeymoon phase with, with CD might be over too, just with the rush – with the Guido from New Jersey throwing him the ball. 
Yeah, I think I think Michael Gallup is going to hurt just as much or even more. I think the Gallup, he might be droppable in like certain 10-team leagues, like just yeah. redraft leagues. Obviously, Dynasty, he kept it up. But I think Pep moving him, that's going to end up looking like the best – probably end up looking like the best trade of the year. Yeah, and we've talked about this, but that whole financial situation in Dallas is kind of questionable. Not paying Dak, he gets injured. They're pumping tons of money into Zeke. They put a huge contract down on Amari Cooper, but he can, like, opt out or, like, like they can waive him after next year. I don't know. There's so many little trade clauses that pop up. So they could eventually move on from Gallup and save a ton of money and then just keep Gallup. I mean, did I say that right? They can move on from Cooper. Yeah. Um, yeah. Save a ton of money and just keep Gallup and Lamb on their rookie deals, which would save them a ton of money. Um and then they can invest elsewhere because they need some help. Yeah, I think they need to see Gallup do something before they're going to do that. Yeah, but yeah, I agree true. with you. You want to talk about some fab quick? We had a couple big, <laughs> big deals. Yeah, let's. So, I think Jabers is just—he's just playing smart football right now. Like picking up Carlos Hyde, picking up Eno Benjamin. He's kind of like, like he knows he's going to lose a lot, but he's going to make it hard on some people. You know what I mean? Like people could really use Carlos Hyde. Like I try, I put in a waiver claim for him. I wasn't really going to throw a lot of fab on him just because he does have some type of injury designation moving forward. Um, It reported that he has a hamstring strain. It's kind of questionable. Pete Carroll said a bunch of weird things about getting creative at the running back position. Um, So Carlos Hyde stepped in and, Chris Carson's absence and did well, but it's going to be interesting to see moving forward. Um, So Bulls, I mean, Jabers is making it interesting on people. I love the, you know, Benjamin pickup. He's going to be the number two right now in Arizona. Um, Great prospects coming out of Arizona state caught a lot of passes. That's where he really made his bread and butter, but he was a seventh round pick. So you can really have to temper your expectations with him. Um, But Rashad Higgins, $20 for Bulls, you know, Bulls just padding that bench, which I don't hate. Rashard Higgins is going to step into that number two, number three role in Odell Bell's Odell Beckham's absence. Um, Nelson Aguilar, who's looked pretty like Nelson Aguilar, I feel like has played in the NFL for like 25 years, but he's <laughs> this is the first time that I've actually seen him, except for the Super Bowl against Patriots, right? Um, the first time that he's like he's been scoring, he's been getting targeted downfield. He looks like Derek Carr's um, best deep ball threat right now um so yeah i mean bulls is just padding the bench which i think is helpful and jabers is playing good defense yeah so when i looked at the aguilar pickup it was kind of interesting because coming into this week everybody was like "Ah, is he a pickup do you want him because he's put up a touchdown the last two weeks this was the first one he got over five targets so yeah this this was a big week for him he had nine targets had five catches for 107 and a touchdown so this is gonna be something that's definitely gonna help out bulls's bench Eno Benjamin was funny to me because I think I've seen Eno Benjamin on J- on and off Jaber's roster, I think, four times this year. It's true. He just keeps picking him up, dropping him, picking him up, dropping him. But with that injury to Drake, and let's say Drake, like you said, let's say Drake doesn't come back next year, then that could be the future. That could be the future one-two punch because we know that they do like to run two running backs. Yeah. So that could be useful for him. Maybe not this year, but maybe in the future. Um, Richard Higgins... I'm not the biggest fan of him. Me neither. He's I, feel, I feel like he's had his chance. Um, he had his big game. He's going to be the number two. And Baker is just confusing because if you watch the first quarter of that game, 
you would have been sitting on the couch just like me saying, I think it might be Case Keenum time because I literally said those words. And then the second, third, and fourth quarter, you shut me right up. Yeah. So, hey, we'll see what happens. The Cleveland Browns, I thought they were the worst 5-2 and two team in the NFL, but definitely the Chicago Bears are. <laughs> if they played each other, it'd be – That'd be a good game. <laughs> be yeah. a barn burner. One of the other little uh, fab pickups, it wasn't for any money that I wanted to talk about, was Des Bryant's back. He's on, oh. a, pra- he's on a practice squad in Baltimore. So Pap, Pap dropped the rookie wide receiver in Baltimore for the wide receiver in Baltimore who hasn't played since 2017, I think. So yeah. it's kind of interesting to see. Yeah, especially because Pap's not really contending like I don't know if Des Bryant's even going to make the active roster so I don't know why Pat would give up on um, Devin DuVernay who was an absolute ferocious wide receiver in tech at Texas last year if you look at his stats the dude just put up yards he had so many touchdowns he was a senior so he came out late to the draft Um, he was still a third round pick and like I don't hate any wide receiver taken by the Ravens moving forward, right? Like, I don't know. I don't. I don't really get that that drop. I just think Duvernay could be more valuable moving forward. I think that Des Bryant is just a waste of a roster spot. I don't know. Yeah, that's kind of where I was going with that too. Um, talking about Baltimore, I've held on to Miles Boykin all year because oh, he was one Rem- of those guys. He's an absolute freak. We can talk about his player profiler for an hour if you wanted to. Uh, I just I I want to see him do his thing. So that, that's my thought with Duvernay as well. Yeah, I think on the I, same line. I drafted Boykin last year in the third round, like one or two picks before Terry McLaurin, because I was like, I'm going to take a shot on one of these third round guys. Both of them great college like prospects. Both of them amazing speed, like great athleticism. I took a shot with Boykin. Obviously, you took a shot with McLaurin. Neither of us have those those guys that we drafted right now right um but Boykin hasn't really done much um and like I talked about Terry McLaurin just looks like the goat all right I want to talk about one more player and I just kind of want to let you um geek out about it can you talk a little bit about Marquez Callaway for me yeah boy all right (laughs) Remy how worried are you about Michael Thomas oh no 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 I'm I asked you to talk I I don't want to talk this plays into it dude (laughs) Marquez, let me just, all right, I'm just going to talk. Marquez Callaway, 22-year-old rookie, undrafted, out of Tennessee. When you look at his college stats, nothing spectacular. Like, I think he his best season was like 700 yards. Um, Tennessee Volunteers it, are not a very threatening offense in the SEC, but he is playing against top upper echelon defensive talent in college, and he, he was productive. Um, he broke out early in college signed to the roster for the saints i mean 22 year old you look at his prospect profile like it's not bad it's pretty good let me pull up his page really quick um but yeah like i've been just hearing these rumblings in the saints organization about michael thomas and he gets suspended for a fight and he's yelling at the coaches and he has an an opt-out clause where the, the team can trade him and not pay him any money after next year so there's just like weird things going on um I threw him on the end of my bench because I was like, hey, this kid has a nice college prospect profile. He he had, you know, just why not? And he he, he showed up. He had a great game. Um, and I was totally geeking out looking at that stat line afterward. Yeah, I was too. Um, and he might have got an ankle sprain too to end it, to end it all off. But, yeah, he ended up with eight catches, 75 yards, 
And if you want me to talk about Michael Thomas, I am scared. I don't understand what's going on with them, with the team. He literally put up one of the best receiving seasons ever last year. And then this year, it's like they don't even care about him. Like, all right, he got into a fight with a dude. He's still your best player, and you need to win games. Like, this is just weird. They're not – I don't I know. know. It's, I'm, I'm just, it's, it's frustrating more than anything to just watch week in and week out him maybe come back. Like, this week, guess what I'm going to be doing all week? Am I starting A.J. Green or am I starting Michael Thomas? Like, that just hurts to say out loud. It sucks. I, I mean, honestly, A.J. Green, when you look at the Bengals' offense, they're just letting Burrow throw. And, like, you could – you like, Higgins had a great game. T. Higgins had a great game. Tyler Boyd had a great game. A.J. Green, he didn't score a touchdown, but he still had a great game. So, like yeah. – yeah, like I want who's ever catching oh, uh, Joe Burrow. Like, no, I I would rather have Mike, Michael Thomas. The uh, I, I only I only said that to just throw some love over on those Bengals, but um, no, I agree with you. Michael Thomas is still number one wide receiver in football, regardless. It's just scary, man. Oh yeah, it is extremely scary. Um, yeah, I I need to stop talking about this. Let's start talking about Week Eight. Let's uh let's get into some matchups real quick and do them. And then get into the 2017 draft. All right. So let so, me. Um... What's your biggest matchup of the week? Because we can. So every week, let's just say there's two automatic wins. We got Harris beating Jabers. That's already over. And Pick beating Pap. That's already over. Okay. Let's talk about the other three. I really think, man, this is going to be your week. Remy versus Bulls. The, like. This is it. Like, if you are going to make a run for the playoffs, it needs to start now. Like, you need to beat LeBouillier week eight. You need to show up, put up some points. Your boy, DJ Moore, needs to keep it up. If Michael Thomas doesn't play, you got to play AJ Green. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, no, seriously, like, that's a, that's my the matchup that I'm looking at right now is that's a good one. Because if Bulls wins, he's he's got a clear shot at the playoffs, and you're just slowly sinking into the abyss. So I want to talk some good stuff about Bulls' team real quick. So for everybody out there, I created a spreadsheet that I will post after this, and it is the 2020 average finish. So if you finish first through fifth, I gave you a win. If you were sixth through ten, it's a loss. Laboul, you want to know what Laboulier's record would be? He would be 7-0 and this year if you just take it off that. He has not had one finish that was below fifth place. Um, and I'll just shout out everybody's record. So Labulier would be seven and zero, Shazik would be six and one, you would be four and two, no four and three. Colin would be four and three. This one's the interesting one. So C Pick has played the easiest schedule out there because if you just take his finishes, just at a granular level, he would be two and five. Larimore would be two and five. Harris would be three and four. I would be. Five and two, Pap would be two and five, and Abers zero oh and seven. So it's some definitely interesting things to see there. Um, like the big differences, you have Laboulier, who is five and two, should be seven and zero. Oh. Strazik, who is four and three and should be six and one, and myself, who is three and four, who should be five and two. We both are two swing that way versus Pick, who's a two swing the other way. Mm-hmm. Everybody else is just one one way or another, but the. Between the four of us, we have the biggest swing, so it's kind of crazy to see. Yeah, and 
that spreadsheet you made was pretty cool. I was taking a look at that. One thing that I found on Sleeper, which is pretty cool, you can organize the rankings by maximum points scored. So this includes your bench. So obviously this removes the the human error of sit-start decisions. So just looking at what is the maximum number of points your team scores on a weekly basis? And that's what you want. Like you want your team to score points, regardless of you at the last second, you put one player in over another in a flex, flex position. You want your guys on the bench to be scoring points. It only increases the value of your team. Looking at those, the max points, I lead the league in scoring at 1,100 yards. Strazik is right behind me with like 20 less points. Um, I said yards, I meant points. Um, and then you, you have 1,089 Bulls, 1,070. See pick. He's faced the easiest schedule. He has also scored 1,025 points total overall, including bench. Um, then it goes to Larry, then Harris, then Colin, then Pap, then Jabers. And you can find this on just going to standings and pressing the view details, and then you can organize by max PF, so max points for. Just kind of interesting to look at, like, hey, how's my team really – when you want to compare your team, like, how's my team really doing compared to the rest of the league? Look at how many points your team is scoring compared to the rest of the league. Like, look at Remy's spreadsheet. It's pretty cool to just, like, break it down because so often, we all know, on a week-to-week basis, you can lose by a kicker. You can lose by a sit-star decision. You can lose because a guy gets injured and after two plays, and that's your week. And it sucks because that goes on your record, but it's not really reflective of how good your team is. That's interesting you say that, too, because if you look at somebody like Pick's team, he's not making the right start decisions, pretty much like what you said, but he has the depth. So that's one thing that I've talked about your team over and over again, and that max points four is pretty much just showing I have depth that one of my bad guys, one of my guys that's bad week, if you look at technically max points four is pretty much your best ball team. So if you look yeah. at my best ball team, this is what it is. Exactly. So that's definitely interesting to say. So going back to my – me and the Bulliers matchup. I think it really matters on the health of the running backs. So I have Aaron Jones and Miles Sanders banged up and he has Dalvin Cook banged up. So all three of them are, as of right now, supposed to play, but you really never know. So I think that it really comes down to the health of the running backs is who's going to win this matchup. Because if one of my two guys is out, I'm probably going to lose it. And if Dalvin Cook's out, I don't think that Bulls has enough guys to keep putting in there. I mean, he – yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I mean, Chase Edmonds, they're on bye, unfortunately, this week. Yeah, so I got lucky on that one. That was the first the week, thing I looked up. The week that you want to smash Chase Edmonds in your starting lineup, he's on bye. So, it kind of sucks. Um, it's just one more week for Kenyon Drake to get healthy. Yeah, that was the same feeling I had with J.K. Dobbins last week. It was like, oh, Mark Ingram's out. This is finally going to be your J.K. Dobbins show out week. And it's like, oh, uh, nope. no, they have an extra week. So, yeah. Kind of hurts. Talk about your matchup because I think that these were the best two matchups. Honestly, I thought it was the five and two and the three and four, and then the five and two and the three and four because they yeah. were the difference makers in the whole league. Exactly. Um, so me versus Larry. Like Larry, if he's going to make a run for the playoffs, he needs to win. Um, obviously, he's at three and four right now. If he loses, drops down to three and five. Um, like we talked about, his bench isn't looking that great. His tight end position, I feel like, is a major weakness right now. Um, he's putting. Ferksker into the lineup um, after a two-catch performance. I mean, Jonu Smith is the number two receiver. He's the tight end one there. So you're playing basically I, – I, I don't know. I've never seen Ferksker and Jonu Smith both perform on the field um, 
Fersker's one game that he did well was in Janu's absence. Um, obviously, Derrick Henry's a smash play. Elliott, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, Metcalf, these guys are smash plays. But Jefferson, he's a boomer bus receiver. We've talked about that. Devontae Parker's a little banged up right now. So, so something's going to have to happen. He's going to have to get lucky with some of these plays. Um, I just need my team to just continue to perform um, just consistently. You know, like Thielen, Lockett, Boyd, Galladay. Taylor Jacobs. These guys need to all put up 10 to 15 points and it'll be a nice victory for me. Um, if Herbert throws for five touchdowns and puts up 44 points and, you know, Metcalf scores three touchdowns uh, on the end of Russell's throws and, and Henry goes for 250, it's going to be tough for me. And that's, that's what's scary about Larry's team. So um, if he needs to win, that's going to have to happen and it, it's going to be a good one. You pretty much nailed my two major points for this matchup. My, Major point is, if you look at your team, this is your buy-perfect week. You don't have anybody on a buy. Your team is your team. So you guys are both, it looks like, putting out what you would want if it was week one, if it was week 13, if it was anything in the middle. You guys both have your perfect lineups in there. So that makes it interesting to see. His biggest concern every week is quarterback. Which of the four am I starting? Who am I playing where? How am I going to do it? So he's going with Herbert. He's going to keep sticking with it, which I can't see why you can't. And then my other biggest thing was tight end. So that's going to be – I didn't realize that he was starting Ferksker. Um, I mean, it's either Ferksker or Hig- – Hig- Higby should be back. So my guess yeah. my guess is Higby will end up being in there. But Higby, even if, Higby's been struggling. Know. Like we Higby's talked about last week on the podcast, Higby versus Everett, those, those metrics, those um, splits are not good. No. Last matchup we have is the big boy matchup of the week. We got Colin and Strazik. So you got the five and two versus the four and three. Winner goes on to show off the one seed. Gonna pretty much take out take over the league and just keep pushing in the right direction. So this matchup to me comes down to is CMC playing, is Mike Davis playing, and hopefully it's not a split because that's gonna yeah. hurt Strazik the most. He needs it to be either one or the other. And then when it, you look at Collins' team, that second flex is going to be a struggle for the next couple of weeks with no Drake. As of right now, he's putting Jamal Williams in. That is pretty much just a Hail Mary at, please tell me Aaron Jones isn't playing. So I think, like you were saying earlier, Collins' team in that second flex is going to be hurting because right now he has a perfect lineup besides that flex. Yeah. So if their buys start coming up, he's going to be hurting. Yeah, and I think just interesting to note, Le'Veon Bell situation. We haven't seen the true potential of Le'Veon in Kansas City, right? And this is obviously going to be um, to not to, to besmudge Alex and Ceh, but Le'Veon Bell, he was signed there for a reason. In his first game, he let me look. What he, six carries for thirty nine yards, six point five yards per carry. They're playing the Jets, and I think this could be an easy smash revenge game where the the Chiefs just feed Le'Veon. Um, I don't know though. I would be scared to play Le'Veon Bell. Um, but he could be a difference maker moving forward if they actually go with a split of Bell and Ceh. Bell maybe handles more of the early down work. Ceh out of the backfield, they can both produce numbers. I think, yeah, that's just the difference maker for me. Looking at his team, that's just the big question mark moving forward. I think the other big one for Collins' team is going to be the Miles Gaskin. So this is going to be the first week that we're going to see two will play. So with Tua playing, is Gaskin going to still get all these touches? Are they going to be stacking the box? What are teams going to be doing against the first lefty quarterback we've seen in a while? So <laughs> yeah. this, this is going to be it's going to be interesting to see. 
And then talking a little bit about Strasic's team, um, I think he found his quarterback in Tannehill, and then the rest of his team is exactly what we're looking at. Juju against Baltimore. If you actually look at Strasic's team, he doesn't have a lot of good matchups this week. He's got a lot of red on his team. Juju against Baltimore, Kittle against Seattle, Diggs against New England. So he's got some tough matchups versus Colin, who has like Gurley against Carolina, which should just be yeah. smashed for a quick three touchdowns. So I think my guess would still be Strasic just because that second flex is just – think that could be just non-existent this week versus somebody like Diggs or Allen for sure. Yeah. Second flex who's going to put up the points. Yeah, it's true. And like like you said, the, I would be hesitant to start Christian McCaffrey's first week back. They're playing Atlanta, so that could be a nice, easy game for them where they don't want to put McCaffrey in all the way. They can kind of handle the Falcons without him, but that also might be a game like, hey, let's get him in for five, ten touches just to kind of get him acclimated. He hasn't played since week two, so that's something to note. Yeah, and that's going to make it even more difficult for him because if he does play, if he plays full capacity and they don't say anything beforehand, you might want to start Mike Davis, you might want to start McCaffrey. So that's going to be one of those weird toss-ups that Shrazik's going to be dealing with only for two more days. So the Thursday day, days, Thursday be- night game is really going to mess this up more than anything else, I think. Yeah, it's going to be tough. All right, so let's get on to the DDL 2017 rookie draft. And... How did you rank your players? Did you rank it based on the 30 players we drafted or just everybody that was a part of that draft? You're talking about like the, for a redraft purpose? Oh, yeah, how we're going to do it right now. I'm, I was just looking at like a lot of these guys are either not in the league anymore or have not on a roster or just are nobodies. So I kind of just completely disregarded them. Um, and I just went off of like name value. Like who are the guys that are starting – this week in the on the 10 teams that we're that we're facing off with okay all right so all right so i'm assuming we're both going to have the same 101 actually let's let's give everybody a little reminiscence of the 2017 draft so i'm just going to give us give everybody the three rounds really quickly so we went fournette mccaffrey zay jones marshawn lynch Corey davis joe mixon galladay Dalvin Cook, Mike Gillisley. I'm going to stop on the fun ones, letting everybody know. <laughs> Kareem Hunt to end the first round. Open up the second round with Samaje Pirine. Then we got Cooper Cup, Danny Amendola, Darren McFadden. The pick after Darren McFadden, Alvin Kamara. Sorry, Tex. Uh, <laughs> then we got Mike Williams, Amir Abdullah, Jamal Williams, who we just talked about, Pierre Garçon, and then to end it, we had Martavis Bryant. I, I thought he was going to be decent, but that never worked. Um, pick 301, one of my favorite picks, Cameron Meredith, because the day after that, I'm pretty sure he tore his ACL. Pretty sure we drafted, and then the next day he tore it, and he was out for the year in LeBoulier. I don't even think we had put all the rosters in. He said, just don't even put them on my team. It's a waste of a pick. Um, 302, we had James Conner, who's been drafted, I think, the last four years. Then... Ted Ginn, Rex Burkhead, John Ross, O.J. Howard, Paul Perkins, Tyler Lockett, Jaquiz Rogers, DeAndre Washington, and to finish it off, Shane Vereen, because that's the only person Brandon knew that was still in the league. That's right. All right, so I'm going to let you do the one-on-one, and we'll go back and forth every pick. Oh, easy. Smash <laughs> Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, that's going to be nice and easy. So he's going to go from pick two to pick one. 
I think that would be on everybody's board. I think the first two picks are the most obvious picks. And then after that, you can probably play around with it a little bit. Uh, pick two, I'm going to go Alvin Kamara. Which is crazy. He Shalikas drafted him at the, the 205, right? Just Just crazy. He drafted Zay Jones at the 103 and Alvin Kamara at the 205. So. I, was, I was actually looking at Zay Jones just because I was, like, so curious. But his college profile wasn't, wasn't that bad. He had a 40% target share. He went to East Carolina. He put up – you're not going to believe this. He put up 1,700 yards his senior season and eight touchdowns. Like, he balled out his senior year, but he just stinks in the NFL. He was one of those guys that I had, I think, in, like, the third round. And we're all sitting around. I remember all sitting around LaBouillier's house, and we just looked and we said, what? Yeah, he was a second-round pick, pick 37, so it's not like he was a late pick. That's high capital. Yeah, so looking back, he could have been a stud, but yeah, he took Zay Jones and then took Alvin Kamara, a little running back out of Tennessee in the second round. Who knew? So who do you have at pick three? Pick three, this is where it gets kind of fun. I am going with Dalvin Cook. Like, he had the injury early on in his career, which kind of was a setback. But he's just he, – he, he's a top five running back. Um, like, he's involved in the passing game. He runs the ball. He's just a, a fine runner. He's just fun to watch. Like, that's such an easy pick. Yeah, I had Dalvin Cook at pick three. So, he was one that Pap took at pick eight and then traded away. So if you look at Pap's draft, this draft, it was actually pretty good. He got Galladay at seven, Cook at eight. He didn't have anything in the second round. And then in the third round, he picked Tyler Lockett. So he's had some decent drafts. He just gives up on this, but he he used to. I'm not going to say he still does. He used to give up on his players really quickly, so that was something that hurt him. Imagine that. He'd be contending for number, like, the top three spot right now if he had if he kept those three guys do we want to talk about Todd Gurley and that trade that happened that first year that first year was rough for Pat so part of my goodbye to Todd Gurley was to mention this trade again in the first year of the draft I traded away uh, running what was his name Terrence West traded away Terrence West Jameson Crowder in a third round pick and I got Todd Gurley who ended up winning that championship for me the first year Sad to see him go now, but thank you, Pap, for giving him giving him to me so early. Um, so at 104, I'm taking Joe Mixon. I don't want to say that too loud because I don't want Harris to know that I actually don't completely hate him, but I still don't completely love him. But <laughs> Joe, Joe Mixon's my pick four. Yeah. I, I, think... auto, I auto-drafted him for Ebers that year because he was not there at 106. So he went from 106 to 104. Yeah, and I agree with that pick. Running backs are to get a running back like that, like it's it's worth a lot, especially with pick six and a draft. Um for me, the next pick I would have to say Kenny Galladay. Um he's an alpha receiver, he's only twenty six years old. I wanna pick Lockett because everyone knows how much I love Tyler Lockett, but Kenny Galladay is a smarter play, two years younger. Um and he, he's just a solid wideout. I just love Kenny Galladay. It's funny you say that because on my big board I had Lo- I had Galladay at five and then at pick six I'll take Tyler Lockett. Oh, see, so, there you go. So actually, on my big big board I had Pap having the third, the fifth, and the sixth best player. So it's kind of crazy to see that he was able to make those picks back in the day. Not hold on to him, obviously, but yeah, I had Tyler Lockett at pick six. He He's the guy. He's dominating right now. And as long as Russ is healthy and as long as he's healthy, they're going to just keep playing their game. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Um, we don't have to talk anymore about Tyler Lockett. Yeah. <laughs> I promise. Um, next, this is where it gets kind of interesting. I think I would have to go Kareem Hunt just because of what he did in that first season with the Browns. Um, it was pretty unreal. Um, obviously, he had a lot of other issues that we don't need to get into, but um, that I feel like that's the safest pick after you go with those two wide ends. Wow. Okay, I had him at pick nine, and that was actually with the Chiefs. That wasn't with the Browns. That was oh, that's so right. long. Ago. It was so long ago. No, I know. You, I you forget. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that rookie year, he actually led the league in rushing that rookie year, which was awesome for me. Um, I picked him at pick ten. I was between him and Martavis Bryant, and that day, right before our draft or right after our draft, it was was it Niall Davis who tore their ACL. Somebody you actually had in your team that I remember tore their ACL the day I picked Kareem Hunt. So. He was just oh, brought right up to um, it. Shit. Oh, I know who you're talking about. Anyway. It's a throwback. But I remember I remember you and I in the back of Labulias talking about how your guy tore his ACL and I was running around in circles. Yeah. Um at pick seven, I actually had James Conner ahead of Kareem the, Hunt. Yeah. The, if 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 Kareem Hunt didn't have that amazing rookie season, I would go James Conner, but um, it, it's very tough for a rookie to lead the league in rushing and to just blow up like Kareem Hunt did. So that's why I have him just one slot above James Conner. Um, like I've said, James Conner has, when he plays, he is a beast. He catches the ball. He looks like a dominant running back. Um, fun little statistic I found on James Conner, but let me pull it up. In his sophomore season, he had at Pitt seventeen hundred yards for twenty six total touchdowns his sophomore season as a nineteen year old. That's, That's crazy. Ridiculous. That is better than Saquon Barkley's best season at Penn. Like it's just crazy to put that into perspective. Seventeen hundred yards, twenty six total touchdowns. Just crazy. Uh, he follows that up in his junior season by only playing one game and getting injured. And then senior season, 1,000 yards, 20 total touchdowns. He gets drafted in the NFL draft um, in the third round. And he's just he, – he's been dominant when he plays. He's just great. He's just a great player, great story. Um, just one of those guys. Yeah. It's, it's crazy to see, like, what he's become. So, yeah, he was actually my seventh overall player. Um, that was somebody that was drafted 2017. And I think when we talk about the 2018 draft next year, he'll probably be right around pick seven or eight. We'll talk about him again next week. Yeah. He, I actually, um, I picked him in the 2018 draft just because of the Le'Veon Bell situation and it worked out like amazing. Yeah. So yeah, we can talk about that a little bit more next week. So who did you have after James Conner? So this is, this is where it gets kind of funny. I think, um, if you actually look at the players drafted, like you want to go with Cooper Cup because he's on this list, but Chris Godwin was taken in the third round at pick 84, and he wasn't even drafted in our rookie draft. So, oh, yeah, we, we have some guys to talk about afterwards that were not drafted. Yeah, yeah um, there's a good list. So, I was like Juju, too. Juju, Aaron Jones, Marlon Mack. Pretty crazy. Chris, okay. If, We'll we'll get to that full list after because I have some definite okay. names I want to bring up. But yeah, my next name was Cooper Cup. I had yeah. Cooper Cup at pick eight. I had him between Connor and Hunt because of how good of a year he had last year. He's exactly. becoming consistent. He came out really old though. That's what people don't really understand. When you come from those mid mid majors, you come from those D one double A's. 
most of the time you're coming out as a senior, like Cup did. And I believe he's already 27, which is surprising compared to some of the other guys who were drafted a lot earlier than him that are the same age. But Cooper Cup is definitely my next guy off the board. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll save the guys that weren't drafted for after. But um, I think the last big name on this list would be Mike Williams. Um, he's a highlight reel every single week. The dude makes a, a freaking amazing contested catch, but he hasn't really put it together as a true alpha dominant wide receiver. He was taken within the first 10 picks of that draft. Um, so the Chargers kind of expected him to really blow up and he got injured that first year. He had a pretty severe back injury. He didn't play at all, which kind of put a damper on his season, but he's only 25 um, he came out early out of Clemson, and Clemson just always produces good wide receivers, and I feel like he's the only big name left. Yeah, so he was – I when I did this, I was projecting to put all 30 guys in a list. I ended up stopping at 15 because exactly. none, none of the other guys I ever wanted to see on my team. So there were some really bad names. So I had Mike Williams at 11. I had one guy in front of him. I had Leonard Fournette, actually. Oh, shoot. Dude, legit. Your own I, guy. He was the 101. He was the 101. So it's funny because I totally disregarded Leonard Fournette because I just – I kept my finger scrolled at Christian McCaffrey because in my eyes he will forever be 101. My brain didn't even <laughs> register Fournette. But you were totally right. Like, looking back, he was the fourth pick in that draft. And the Jaguars completely cut bait, did not want to pay him this year. They're like, we can get the same production, if not better, from James Robinson. So let's do that. And Fournette is now the third down back with Tom Brady. Pretty crazy how it all works out. (laughs) Yeah, so that was somebody Harris had the 101, and he picked Leonard Fournette and held on to him for a couple years. But, yeah, Leonard Fournette was my 110. Mike Williams was my 111. Okay, I agree. I I do agree with that. I totally messed messed up with that pick. Yeah, I only have four more guys that I would actually want on my roster throughout this entire draft, which is kind of sad to say. Um, I'm assuming next week when you and I talk about it, we should get up to 20 guys. Yeah. I'm assuming we'll get 20 out of 30. Overall. So I'll, I'll just ram- ramble these last four guys off really quickly, and then we can look at the other guys that weren't drafted. So at 12, I had O.J. Howard. That's just my personal guy. I love him. I can talk about him for hours. At 13, I had Corey Davis. He still has a little bit of relevance left. At 14, I had Jamal Williams. And at 15, just to respect you, Tex, I put Marshawn Lynch. Because he did have a, he did have two years where you would want him on your team. Um, but, that yeah, that was it. I do, I do appreciate that, Ren. I really do. <laughs> so, yeah, out of the 31 guys, I said that there was only 15 that I would really want. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting to see somebody like Corey Davis. If you look at the top five picks, it was Fournette. So, he's fallen off what he was supposed to be. McCaffrey at two. Zay Jones at three, Marshawn Lynch at four, Corey Davis at five. Out of those five guys, two of them are useful. Yeah. One of them you actually are going to start every week. It's kind of it's kind of sad to see. It is, yeah. And I actually had to look this up because I wasn't sure. That 2017 season was Marshawn Lynch's first year in Oakland, and he put up over 1,000 yards total from scrimmage and seven touchdowns. Not yeah. bad. Yeah. Um, and then the drop-off happened pretty damn quick. Uh, his <laughs> next year at age 32, 300 yards. Um, yeah, that's not even yeah. a drop-off. That's, just, that's the cliff that everybody, <laughs> that everybody talks about. Um, so I just want to talk about a couple guys at each position. So at quarterback, we missed out on a guy by the name of Mahomes and a, guy, and a guy by the name of Watson. So 
Both of those are championship. Well, one of them's a championship winner. Colin won a championship with Mahomes, and Watson has been a starter for pick ever since. This was the first year and only year that we have not had a quarterback drafted. So we didn't really care about quarterbacks that first year. Nobody really knew what to do with the rookie quarterbacks. And from then on, we've been drafting them pretty high. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Let's talk about the other ones. Running back, I had Chris Carson, Aaron Jones, Marlon Mack, and Tariq Cohen. Tariq Cohen, yeah. I, I didn't put him on my list because I don't. He, he he's not even in the same like category when you talk about Aaron Jones and Chris Carson, right? Um, yeah. Aaron Jones drafted in the fifth round. That looks like an absolute amazing pick for the Packers, and they compare it to what they did this year, drafting A.J. Dillon in the second round, who looks like – you want to talk about meatball, like Mike Davis being a meatball? Like, yikes. The all-meatball club. The all-meatball club. Wide receiver, I had Juju, Godwin, and Curtis Samuel, actually. Yeah, and the, the Chris Godwin pick, like, third round, pick 84. That's just, like, what you've gotten from Chris Godwin. Like, he didn't have a very productive rookie season, but his blow-up season was just so impressive. Same thing with Juju. He put up one of the best seasons ever for such a young wideout. He was taken in the second round. Pick 62. We've talked about this at nauseum the past couple of episodes. Um, it's going to be interesting to see where he ends up in the future, but he does have the draft capital. He's super talented, and he's so damn young. And then tight end, I had three of them. I had Kittle, who ended up getting drafted the next year, Janu, and then Evan Ingram. Yeah, so two out of the three ain't that, right? Like, Evan Ingram, he, terrible injury. Um, that's kind of just put a huge just damper on his potential. He was drafted to be, like, the number two target in New York, and the Giants are just ugly, or ugly organization. Kittle is just the GOAT, and Jonu Smith is just the baby GOAT. I love Jonu. <laughs> and then another fun tight end just to talk about from that draft class would be Njoku, who, yeah. if you want to look up a player profiler of a guy you're going to love, look up David Njoku. He should be an absolute freak, but he also just could never – get healthy and figure out his spot in in Cleveland. Yeah, I I feel like he needs to move cities. I feel like he needs to go somewhere new, restart with a young coach where he can be the focal point of an offense and like he I don't know if it's because he's bad at football or if the Browns just hate him. I don't know what it is. Between him and Evan Ingram, I think they both need to find a new home because Absolutely. both are just being underutilized. All right, let's get into the power rankings and wrap this up. Let's do it. Um let's start 10-9, let's get it over with quick. We got Abers and Pap. See, um, I have I have Pap at 10 and Abers at 9. Wow. I need a quick little explanation. I wanted to make it quick, but I need to hear J- this. Abers is just so active. He's picking up people. He's picking up high, like, high um, ceiling, like, talented young guys. He's playing defense. He's picking up guys that other people can't. He's making moves. He's putting up points. Like, he's 0-7, but he, like, if you look at – we've talked about this. Like, the past couple of weeks, he could be 2-5. and five. He could have the same record as Pap right now. So, like, Jabers is just doing more. Pap is not doing much. So, you're saying the team – you're talking this power ranking is more manager than it is team. Absolutely. And, like, wow. Pap's team has put up duds, like 50 points and 66 points. Jabers would have spanked him these last two weeks. He deserves some respect. I love to hear it. Wow. Put some, put some respect on Jabers' name. Jabers, I, I don't know if you actually listen to this podcast, but if you do, I, I just want to. I just maybe we'll have you on next week, Jabers, and just let you talk it out a little bit. Yeah, um, Pap, who do you have I at number you. eight? I love you, Pap, but come on. <laughs> the disrespect. Who you got at eight? Eight. I have Larimore. 
Same. Yeah, he's he's fallen off the last couple of weeks. And once I finally put together my little random stats, I realized that he doesn't even belong where he is. Oof, don't general, say don't say that too loud. He might change his name again. No, his weighted record should be two and five versus the three and four that he is. I just don't think that he really he doesn't have it right now. That tight end is going to hold him back. Last time he was the number one pretenders because he didn't have a wide receiver. He won and got Metcalf after I talked crap about him. This time I'm saying, hey, Larry Moore, you don't got a tight end. You ain't winning with that tight end. So either go do something about it or stay at number eight. I agree. All right. Who do you got seven? I got pick. Yep, me too. I, I think we're going to be pretty dead on. Yeah, pick the same thing with me. Looking up his advanced stats and everything like that that I've been looking up. He just – he's going to be hurting from these injuries with no Mostert. And now he didn't even start Melvin Gordon last week. He's just in a weird spot with this team. And when he was on the podcast, me and him were laughing about how he had no clue what he wants his team to be. What sucks is he's going to come out of this 5-3 and three next week and be even more confused. He's Realistically, if Bulls loses, I lose. He wins. He's number one. Yeah, see, that's what I'm saying. This is just it's it's ridiculous, and it's his crazy. his like weighted record should be what was it two and five I believe, and he's four and three. Just he doesn't make any sense. Crazy. That's why I have them at eight and seven. All right, at number six, I have Harris. Okay. Who do you got? I have myself. Okay. The only reason why I have you above Harris is because what we talked about the total points for looking at your new metrics that you put up, you have. Like I have to, you you have the better team than Harris. Like you have the stud wideouts, you have the stud quarterback, you have the stud running backs. Like Harris's team, it looks ugly some weeks because of the injuries, because of the gate, like the holes at running back. Like Mixon's going to be out for some time with the midfoot sprain, and I don't want like the mid midfoot sprains for running backs are just are not good. I meant to touch on this earlier, but. They say week to week, but the 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 midfoot joint of the foot controls everything when a running back's cutting, juking, jumping, like changing direction. Like if you don't have that structural component of your foot and it's causing you pain and it's swelling up, like it's just ugly and it's just a tough injury. It's the injury that kept Marquise Brown off the field. It's the injury that sidelined Cam Newton for over a year. Uh, it's the same injury that Evan Ingram had that they had to put a screw in and that completely changed the trajectory of his career. So. I, I don't know. I'm a little nervous about the running backs, but his wide receivers are scary. I just think your team has more upside. Yeah, I'm, I like his team just because I love those wide receivers. I talk about them every other week, but those wide receivers, one healthier, the real deal. The running backs scare me, but I feel like between him and I, we both are struggling with some of our injuries right now. So I had him ahead of me, and he gets easy matchup this week, just like we talked about with Pick. That's true. So I feel like Harris and then my next – um, rank for Colin at four. I think feel like those two are the biggest movers in the next couple of weeks. Um, like we've talked about, Colin's team losing OBJ, losing Kenyon Drake. It's going to get ugly. Colin's really going to have to put together some lucky wins. I think moving forward to stay in the top five, um, but he could easily fall to that seven spot pretty quick. Yeah, I have him as number four as well. I think that Colin's five and two right now. He's going to be six and two with his little free win that we keep giving him. And then he, you really only need two more wins after that to make the playoffs. Once you get that eight win, so if he's, if he's at six and two and ends up the season going, would that be two and five down the stretch or two? Yeah, 
it's gonna be it's gonna be difficult for him to like miss out on this playoff. So it's true. It is true. And like once you hit that that win total that you need, it comes down to like points and like the tiebreakers and head to head. I just feel like I don't know if he's those those two injuries really just my heart breaks for his team right now. It just sucks. Yeah, and the thing about his team also that you have to. I don't want to talk about waiver amounts, but he's down to $8 or $9. So I think that might come back to bite him in these next couple of weeks when he does need that second flex, when he can go get that Gio Bernard for a week. I know he did it this week, but let's say next week when another running back goes down and he needs that second flex, he's not going to be able to get that the rest of the year. Yeah, it's crazy how fast the money goes. Like, I don't even know who he spent it on. I'll have to go back and check, but um, let's move this along. Number three, who do you got? I got... Strays at number three. Same. Strays' team is just too good to leave him out of the top three. Yeah, and... I think the, the top three have been the top three of the last five weeks. It's just flipping the three of you around. Yeah, and like head-to-head, me versus Strazik, I was pumped coming out of that victory. I know Strazik was a little bummed. Um, he was sending me like little gifts, like, I'll see you next week, see you in the playoffs. But that's what's going to be. I'm looking forward to facing him again, and his team is it's scary. So got to keep him in the top three. Top three, and he gets CMC back, so watch out. At number two, I had yourself. Same. I, just... I had yourself at number two. You still got everything that we t- we've been talking about all night. Um, and everybody's knock on wood, besides Eckler, obviously, but everybody else pretty healthy for you that, yeah, you, which, knew, that you knew was going to be there. So, Which is pretty nice. Um, coming yeah. into this year, I was, uh, you know, like I don't want to talk too much more about my team. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, little little injury risk little injury bumps early on, but um, I'm happy with the moves I've made. I feel like I'm really strong contender. Um, and the theme of these two episodes are respect on Jabers's name and respect on Bulls's name. Bullier with the number one spot, well deserving. The dude should be seven to zero per your nice little metrics that you developed here. Um, he's just doing everything right. Like the moves he's made in the off season, he looks like a genius for trading me Josh Jacobs. Just like trading for James Robinson, drafting Calvin Ridley at number two overall in the 2019, 2018 draft. Just like everything he's done where people shake their head and say, oh, there goes Bulls doing it again. Like he's beating everybody. Respect on that boy's name. Yep, that that's what I was going to say. He's number one on my list. He was going to be number two until I made this weighted record and I realized he has not put up a dud week. He hasn't, and I've put up two dud weeks. He has his, not put up any. His lowest week is 114. That's scary. He has not put up that bad week because he has that consistency. Everybody's putting up 10 points for him. He might not get that one dude who's putting up 40 points, and you look at his team, you're like, oh, who's putting up that? Yeah, really's doing it every once in a while, but yeah, crazy. Good for him. He His lowest finish was fifth place, but his best finish is second. He's not putting up that crazy, but – He's doing everything he has to to just stay consistent and put up everything he has to. Yeah, and that's it. In fantasy football, being consistent and being healthy is better than being lucky with those Healthy, boomers. healthy, healthy. You know healthy, what I mean? Healthy. So if Bulls can keep it up, he's going to be scary. All right. So, Jake, I want to thank you. And I will be talking to you again next week because our friend Christopher is, I believe, headed to Dallas to do some work. I'm not sure. He's always all over the place. So next week we'll be talking about the 2018 draft. If anybody would like to join us and uh, have some fun little rebuttals on who you would have uh, picked, let us know. But I will be posting my little random stats met- metric, my average finish. So 
uh, be on the lookout for that. And thank you very much. Rem, have a good rest of the night. See you next week.